Good evening, everyone, and welcome to to my uh, blog talk podcast, Heavenly Places. Um, I'm your host, your teacher for this evening, Jameer. Um, and we're continuing going through the book, Manifest Destiny, The Path Towards Wisdom. I hope you guys are getting a lot out of it. Um, we're We're nearly at the end of the book. And this week... <clears throat> We're actually going to be talking about Noah's vision, hope, and faith. And if you have the book, this uh, chapter seven in the book, Noah's uh, vision, hope, and faith. And I will open up this evening with a prayer. Father, we thank you for another day. We thank you for your goodness, your favor, your mercy, your kindness. We thank you for giving us salvation, Father. We thank you for saving us, oh God, saving our friends and family. Father, I pray you would direct me this evening, Father. Um, just teach uh, your word, oh Father, to, to help the people, those who are listening now, those who will be listening later. Um, let us all be led by the Holy Spirit. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Okay, so again, we're on faith, hope, and vision. Now, those uh, those words, you know, they're they seem similar, but they actually have a different meaning to each one of them. We're going to go over that. And one of the uh, best passages that, uh, as I was uh, studying faith, hope, and vision, was the passage from Mark chapter five, verses uh, twenty-five through thirty-four. That's Mark chapter 5, verse 25 through 34. And uh, that passage is a very familiar passage. Um, If you're familiar with the woman with the issue of blood, um, basically this woman, she had a vision of being healthy and whole. And she did everything possible, basically kind of summing it up and we know that uh, she spent basically all of her resources. Uh, she did everything naturally that she could. Uh, she went to the doctors, and she really didn't have anything left or any alternatives left to try, you know. So she was kind of stuck because there was uh, something that was missing in her life, which was uh, wholeness, which was health. And thinking about that in comparison to us, maybe some of us are in a situation where we have something missing in our lives. Maybe it might be uh, our health also, something where uh, the area in our life we need to be whole, or maybe some type of relationship or some type of career or job. Um, It could be different things in our life uh, that we are missing, and we can learn from the one with the issue of blood in Mark chapter 5 about these hope, vision, and faith, and what she did to uh, to fulfill what was, what was missing in her life, you know. Um, one of the uh, the scriptures, actually, I'm gonna, I'm gonna read this. Uh, when uh, whenever we uh, are placed in a situation in need, we basically we have a choice, and the choice is uh, that we can either. Leave, leave it be, and let it go on as missing or incomplete, 
or we can choose to search out that thing. We can search it out. And this woman, she had a vision, and she began searching. Kind of where our journey begins. Um, the automobile, the automobile, the airplane, and the cell phone were all formed from a person's vision. All right, what is a vision? A vision is a image displayed in your mind. Visions come from three main sources. We have ourselves. We have visions that come to us from the self, and of course, our Father in heaven. He gives us. Dream, dreams and visions, and also the enemy, tenant realm, you know, they also want to project um, images, visions upon you, just like they did Eve in the garden. Um, but your vision is a framework that will inspire you. Actually, in a scripture in the Old Testament, very familiar scripture, Habakkuk, chapter 2, verse 2, he says, uh, then the Lord replied, write down the revelation or the vision and make it plain on tablets so that Harold uh, may run with it. So here we have the Lord telling them, hey, hey, you need to write this down, this vision that you're seeing so you can you can do something with it, so you can run with it. Um, so in the case of the woman with the issue of blood, her vision really was not written on paper, but I believe it was something that was in our heart that she desired. And not just her, but there have been many great people who uh, throughout time have accomplished great things because of their vision. And one of the people that I actually thought about was uh, Fernando Magellan. If you're familiar with history, he was actually uh, him and 260 men in five ships. They had a vision. He in particular had a vision. They went with them. They they uh, were involved in his vision. They wanted to sail across the world and get these spices. So only so they started off with 260 men. Only 18 men survived to see the vision actually happen or manifest. Even Magellan, the one who led the division, he, he was killed in the battle. You know. Um, so whenever we were, we're chasing after this vision, you know, those sometimes it's not going to just physically kill you, but it's going to cause you uh, to be broken, you know, trying to pursue the vision because nothing is easy, you know. Uh, actually, Hebrews 12, too, says uh, that for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. So, uh, we see Jesus, he's seen a vision of a, of us believers being part of the kingdom and having fellowship with the Father, so he was willing to die on the cross for that, you know. And his vision and the Father's vision actually killed Jesus, our Savior, you know, but it was like the ultimate sacrifice. It was the only way, you know. And then, you know, by going through that vision, he gained everything. He gained everything, you know. <laughs> so, the, the pain and the torture and the brokenness and even death in his case, um, it was well worth it because of the, the vision that they had. Um, and sometimes, sometimes you know, we we uh, start off with good intentions and good vision, but 
sometimes they can be we can become discouraged, you know, about we pursuing healing or we're pursuing a, a career or we're pursuing some type of relationship with something that's missing in our life and it gets snatched away by just the concerns or issues of the uh, world or just other things that, that come in and affair. And um, our vision is just kind of like, okay, we didn't, we have kind of forgot all about it. Um, that in mind, I would like to ask you, uh, or kind of to think about a question, you know, about, about your vision, you know, how can we realize the vision or bring them back, you know, the things that have been lost, forgotten, or taken away? What, 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 are, what are our steps that we can do to bring about that? And the thing is, uh, we all look through our scripture, we look to the word. Um, Hebrews 11.1 is, is a, a very popular scripture, a very famous scripture, and one of the ones that you can use, you can use these as a uh, your tools, like a utility belt. Like um, people have, like the hero Batman, he had a utility belt, and he would pull pull out different things that he needed for that time. Or Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, is something that you can use for your spiritual utility belt. It says, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Right. So of things not seen, we got to talk about evidence of things not seen. So we know, like, if you watch any of those shows like CSI or Law and Order or familiar with the the justice system or or anything similar to that, we know that any detective knows that in order to prove their case, you need something tangible, some tangible evidence that that can be seen or measured in some fashion. Why? Because if there's no evidence there's no proof that can connect the dots or an artist connect the eye to the impossible. Okay, so the detective is speaking of something natural, but in our case, we're talking about things that are unseen. So we're trying to connect what we see to the impossible. So in a natural world, seeing is believing. So they see it, believe it, okay. But the opposite, opposite is true in the spiritual world, um, where believing is seeing. So instead of seeing is believing, it's believing is seeing. Second uh, Corinthians four thirteen. It says, "It is written, I believe, therefore I have spoken." Since we have, since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. So that, that that thing right there is very key. That believing is seeing. One important truth that we must realize is that, is that uh, the spiritual world, the things that we cannot see, like unlike the chair that you're sitting in, or the computer or phone that you're all listening to right now, that uh, the spiritual world is even more than that, or more real than that. Okay, actually, the the natural world was produced by the spiritual world um, in Job chapter 38 where the father is talking to Job he says, Job 38 beginning in verse 4, he says where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand who marked off its dimensions? 
about the spiritual who 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 marked off its dimensions okay the 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 natural world stops here, surely you know who stretched a measuring line across it, so it's talking about the father measuring it um what were its foot and set, or who laid its cornerstone while the morning stars sang together, and all the angels shouted for joy, so this is talking about the father. That he's actually creating a universe and is talking about him measuring it and limiting the dimensions about how far the universe is and how long it is. It's the natural, but it all comes from the spiritual. All right. So uh, the spiritual world actually governs the natural world. This is why Paul. Chapter one, verse eighteen. If you have a chance to read Ephesians chapter one, that whole chapter is powerful. But in Ephesians chapter one, verse eighteen, Paul actually prays to the Ephesians that the eyes of your heart might be enlightened. That the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. That you may you may see it with your heart, okay, not with your natural eyes. Um, because he wanted us to realize the abundance of the intangible resources that we have access to. Um, an example of this is uh, another famous passage of Second Kings chapter 6, verse 17. Um, a great army of horses and chariots surrounded Elijah, and if you remember that, it caused his servant Gehazi to fear greatly. But Elijah, he was confident because his his vision in it um, filtered the spiritual into the natural. And seeing when he seen Gehazi's fear, he prayed to the Father that he would open the eyes of the young man. And after he prayed, his servant's eyes became open, and he saw a mountain full of horses and chariots and fires that all surrounded surrounded them. Okay. Now, just imagine Elijah's servant at that moment. How do you think it would have changed his perception of the situation? How do you think it would make him feel? Because his eyes was truly open, you know. Originally, he was only seeing uh, doom, destruction, and darkness, you know. And his eyes were open. I mean, he was seeing what was going on. It wasn't false what he was seeing, but Give me a minute to get him back on. Oh, there he is already. I didn't even know. Hello. Welcome back, Jim here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know what happened. <laughs> um, okay. But, um, I'm not sure where. It, but uh, Elijah, uh, he... Uh, prayed the prayer and then his servant Gehazi who who was in fear he prayed that his eyes would be open and after his eyes were uh, open well, how do you think Gehazi felt you know his perspective of the situation changed even though what he was seeing was true that he was surrounded by doom destruction and darkness that was true it was not false what he was seeing but when Elijah prayed that prayer his perspective changed instantly you know if it was me and if I was in that situation, 
I bet it it will it will grow new confidence within me, and I believe that's what happened to Gehazi. And suddenly, I believe he was no longer fearful for his life, but he was confident and full of hope. And this confidence, I believe, was like the woman with the issue of blood, who believed Jesus manifested the power to heal the sick. You know, so I believe that same confidence that. Gehazi had after his eyes was opened. The woman had that same confidence even before she touched the hem of his garment, you know. Um, if you're uh, familiar with, uh, I'm sorry. If Okay. So, yeah, with the, uh, the woman with the, uh, who touched the hem of his garment, now I want to get to uh, from this vision a little bit to talking a little bit about dreams, you know, uh, just a little bit about it. Uh, I I know uh, many of us have had uh, different dreams and visions. Some some dreams, you know, okay, you like where where did this dream come come from? And I wanted to actually share with you a couple of uh, uh, dreams that I had, you know. Um, I was uh, had, I was sleeping, and it actually I was on, on the side of a road, and it was uh, a tornado. Well, like, just like, it wasn't like a dark storm or anything, but it's like this tornado out there, and it was just spinning around, and I can, like, feel the wind in my dream. I can, like, feel it, like, feel like blowing, blowing through my hair and all these kind of things. And then suddenly uh, the dream flashed to something else, and I was on that same road, and this time it was a uh, a gorilla, and I was actually lying on the ground, and I was fighting that gorilla, and it was like t- attacking my head, you know. And I was actually swinging, fighting the gorilla in my dream, and I was... <laughs> fighting and fighting and fighting. I'm trying to get it to let go of me. And then I began to hear like a voice in the back, in the background saying my name. And it, and it, and it was, the voice was saying, as I heard it said, wake up, wake up, Jameer or whatever. And it was uh, my wife, you know, she was, she said, you're dreaming, but the dream, you know, that dream felt so real. And I have many dreams that were, uh, that were similar to that, but this dream right here, it actually had a uh, spiritual meaning. I believe uh, the dream of uh, the tornado was actually the Holy Spirit and me witnessing and seeing the, the move of the Holy Spirit in my life if I made a choice and the decision to follow him. And the dream of the uh, gorilla was actually a, a dream of uh, the enemy attacking me if I, and, and allowing him to get in my head if I chose to uh, follow him, you know, but there, there are many, many dreams. I mean, I had dreams of bats, snakes, spiders. Uh, I have good dreams, bad dreams, you know. Um, and week after week, you know, I I'll be having these dreams. I'm like, Father, what's going on, you know? And I was uh, watching the teaching on television. And it was it was actually it was very interesting teaching, but uh, I can't remember who was teaching it. But any the scripture that I remember was Job chapter thirty three verse 
15 through 16. And it says, in a dream, a vision of the night, when sound sleep falls on men, while they slumber in their beds, then he, talking about the Father, opens the ears of men and seals their instruction. So it says uh, we're talking about dreams, but dreams are basically scripture calls on visions of the night. So we're still talking about visions, but so they're visions of the night, like when we are uh, sleeping. And we see many, many examples of this throughout scripture. And I'm not saying that all dreams are are uh, messages and, and instructions from the Lord, but uh, I believe that many of them are in scripture talks about them. Uh, matter of fact, King Nebuchadnezzar was troubled by a dream involving a statue, and that was in the second chapter of Daniel. And uh, basically what was going on in that chapter is Nebuchadnezzar, he consulted those who he perceived to be experts. So he, like the people who were in the New Age or whatever back then, the magicians, actually, that's what the, the uh, scripture calls them, and these experts, they were unable to unlock the meaning of the dream. As a matter of fact, they said it was impossible. And the king was so frustrated that he sent an execution order for all of them. He told all to kill all of them. And after hearing all that was going on, Daniel stepped into the picture and asked the king to give him time to interpret the dream. Now, the dream was of a great image of a statue, and Daniel revealed that it represented Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom and kingdoms to come. Not just Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom, but kingdoms and future kingdoms will come. And the Bible contains an an assortment of dreams. But I I guess the question I want to do to think about this evening is how can we learn from this or how can we get wisdom from this to help us along our path? Um, Because in my own personal situation learning from these dreams dreams they can be troubling you know so i remember getting these books on dreams like uh christian books too christian christian books they would uh say well this means this in the dream and that means that in the dream you know um and they those dreams right there they they can't i mean the books you know what they have in there they can help serve as a guide and I'm not trying to discredit them or take them, but the best the best teacher is always the Holy Spirit, because a chair in a book they might say that represents something in that book, but the chair could have something very significant to you. And that chair might be actually a specific chair, maybe your grandmother's chair, or a chair from your office, or something that was very significant to you to you to where it has a different meaning that is actually recorded and one of those dream dictionary books, you know. So for each one of us, I mean, I, those books, again, they're okay, especially the, the uh, Christian ones, but I, I want to encourage you always to, see, to use the word and also the leading of the Holy Spirit as you uh, pray for understanding of the dreams, you know. So that's one thing you that is very, very important, you know. And once I discovered that, because over my many, many trials and errors and discovered that truth, I began to be able to not just interpret my dreams, but also 
many of the uh, dreams of the people around me who would tell me their dreams are like, oh, okay, I know exactly what that means. And most of it is because I have a, a relationship with that person that I can explain it, you know. So, <laughs> and it's very powerful how the Lord speaks to us through our dreams. So don't neglect that while you're sleeping, you know, even before you go to sleep. So that gentleman, he told me, just take a pen and paper with you and put it on the side and, and say, Lord, I know you're going to speak to me through my dreams. And then dreams, they go away as soon as you wake up or kind of they start fading away as they go along. So you want to write down the details of it. So that's why I say put a pen and a paper next to you if you're expecting the Holy Spirit to speak to you in that way. Um, another uh, example of dreams from scriptures uh, in the book of Joel, chapter 2, it talks about dreams and visions, actually, and it talked about being a good thing. So dreams, you know, they sometimes people think, okay, they really serve no purpose at all, you know, or just have to have a good conversation in the morning. But if you look at scripture, like people from Nebuchadnezzar to Joel and um, there's a few other people I can't think about, but they were actually direction from the Father through the Holy Spirit, you know. And what was uh, dark or what they didn't understand was brought to light through those dreams, you know. They had revelation through dreams. It's very, very significant uh, dreams, vision of the night that we realize that connection. And it's, uh, of course, through the Holy Spirit. Um, Daniel chapter 2 Verse 27 It says uh, Daniel um, It talks about No wise man Enchanter Magician Or the Diviner Could explain To the king The mystery of the dream And that's Daniel chapter 2 Verse 27 So right there It's like That's no hope Everything that the king had hoped for, no wise man, enchanter, magician, that's basically everyone, you know, that was employed by the king. But Daniel, who had the king's yearning for every word, wanted on to say, but there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. That's the very next passage, Daniel chapter 2, verse 28. And I'm... I love that verse because Daniel is speaking of what I've been talking about is uh, the leading of the Holy Spirit. Now, the wisdom to be gained from your visions of the night, again, can be found in the Holy Spirit. So that's visions. And when you think about visions, just don't think about like your daydreams you have in, or the things that you have, like, okay, I want healing and purpose, but also visions can be the things that happen at night when you're sleeping. And not just at night, but sometimes people take naps during the day and they have vision, dreams, you know, visions of the day. (laughs) The next topic we want to move on to is hope, you know, hope. And I actually want to read this passage from the book. It it was probably one of the most powerful 17 minutes in history. 200,000 to 300,000 people met for one purpose and they had the same vision or in this case dream and each step they took was filled with purpose but each breath 
they inhaled destiny and exalted the past. Oh, and exhaled the past. Exhaled the past, I'm sorry. People of all backgrounds gathered at the nation's capital that day. You know what I'm talking about? And they reverenced one individual as he painted the most beautiful picture without a canvas or paintbrush. And you know what he used for his brush to paint this picture? He used his words. And his canvas was the hearts of men. And with each word he spoke, he drew an image of love and compassion. And as he came towards the end of his speech, he began to focus more on his vision, his dream. And the crowd's heart, you know, the people who were listening began to feel. Their heart began to feel with his dream that he was painting on their hearts. And as he was reading his prepared speech, they say he began to kind of deviate from it. Actually, uh, one of a famous gospel singer in the crowd named Mahalia Jackson, she shouted to the man giving the speech. This is what she said. She said, tell them about the dream, Martin. Tell them about the dream, Martin. And in that moment, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. went from giving a prepared speech to preaching from his heart and punctuating each statement or each point by saying, I have a dream, a very, very popular dream. He dreamed that children would not be judged by their outer appearance, but by the content of the character. He dreamed that the sons of former slave and slave owners will be able to sit and hang out together. And as Dr. King closed his speech, he told the crowd to go home, not just with a dream, but also with hope. Not just with the dream, not just with a vision, but also with hope. This is what he exact this is his exact words. He said, This is our hope. The great Dr. King, we know him as he's a student of scripture. He was a very Christian man, you know, believer in the Father. He knew the vision produces so once you start seeing something, it's going to produce hope. And this hope is not the hope that we all have come to know. You know, this hope is not the wishy-washy hope when we, res- when we reference, when we say, oh, I hope it won't snow or I hope it won't rain or I hope that my team wins. This is not the hope that the dictionary refers to. All right. Rather, this is a spiritual hope. Our Heavenly Father is always trying to produce this spiritual hope in his children by giving us a vision. One example is Abraham, that his descendants would be as numerous as the stars in heaven or as the sand on the seashore. That's uh, Genesis chapter 22, verse 17. So just imagine the sky with no buildings to block your view. Now, when I was living in, in the uh, larger cities, you know, like Kansas City or Philadelphia, you look to the sky and you, you can see a few stars, you know. But when you're in a smaller rural area, like a farming area, you can see so much without the uh, the big skyscrapers and buildings blocking your view. Or just what about what about the sand? You know, I wonder if uh, Abraham tried to count its grains. 
These are all visions that the father was painting on Abraham's heart so that he can have hope. And and we all have hoped in something. And hope is often viewed as less than faith. But what is hope? Distinguishes the biblical hope from the hope. You know, what, what is the difference? Um You know, uh, one time I, I was, uh, when I was in middle school, my father had given me a, uh, a necklace and it was actually an ice gold necklace. It was basically a silver, a silver necklace and it had a Mercedes Benz emblem on it and a diamond in the middle of it. And I lived actually in the, uh, uh, urban area, you know, lower class area and things like that for people to have those things. You know, we wasn't well off. My father, he sacrificed a lot to give me that. But uh, things like that, people, children, I mean, young adults, things like that, no one could afford things like that. Or if they could, it was probably illegal, you know. And I remember going through school and showing everyone in the cafeteria and everybody's like, oh, man, you got this nice necklace and chains, you know. And I didn't even want the day to end. It was so great, you know. But when the day ended and this ring rang, we walked out. As soon as I got out the doors, one of my classmates, he came and ran over and he snatched the chain off of me. And uh, he put it, and he gave it to this guy who was reaching out in the car, and they drove off. So some of my classmates, they uh, got the, they seen what happened, and they got the attention of authorities. And I told the principal and the officer that was there everything that happened. You know, still kind of rattled, like what's going on. And I told on 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 my classmate because I was able to, I didn't know who was in the car. They drove off, you know. But anyway, time had passed. It was about like 30, 40 minutes. So I was free to go home. So I began to walk home. And, you know, the day had been going so fast and so good. And that down was like, oh, man, it was just like so slow, like totally reversed. And all the other students, you know, they had already took the bus or they were already walking home. So I was kind of left to walk home by myself, just about kind of thinking about what was happening about I wasn't even halfway through the walk, and then things began to, begin to get even darker, and a kid walked up to me and said, uh, you don't want to go home that way, and then as he was saying it, he was pointing up the street to where I was going, and I looked up down the hill. I could see about them two or three blocks, you know, and I recognized that the car they had driven away with my, my necklace uh, he was that car was there, and it was like the guy who I told on, and then there was four or five other older guys there, <laughs> you know. And immediately I'm like, "Oh, Father, what's going on, Lord?" And I'm not, I'm not thinking spiritually. I'm just thinking, "Oh man, it's that's going to be over." Because the, in the news, every every night in the news, we were seeing people who were getting shot and killed, having their jackets taken, having their shoes taken, and and all these things, something was happening, and it seemed like every other night, thinking, okay, this is going to be another statistic. I am, you know, <laughs> because people were killed because of this, you know. And 
to top it off, we had just moved in that area, so that was the, the only way I really knew to get home. So I'm like, oh, wow. And this is before they had cell phones. So I was like in this hopeless situation. But then the kid who said, don't go that way, he said, follow me and I'm going to show you a way. So we walked in another direction about a half block and then we stopped. And he basically, he said, he pointed and said, cut through this house, this, house, this yard or whatever. We go down. And he began to say, go down this many blocks or this many blocks. So I was getting this all in my head. I'm not sure how I remembered it, you know. <laughs> but, uh, as he was speaking, you know, the hope built build up into me that, man, I might live, you know, another day. And when I was thanking the kid and trying to thank, thank him, thinking of these things in my mind, he was gone. And where we was at on the street, if I looked left the right, I, I should have been able to see him. But he was vanished just like that in the air. I mean, it... And I made it home that day and many days after that. And I and I know now, I didn't know then. I didn't even think about it. But I know now that the Father, he blessed me by sending one of his ministering angels to guide me home that day, you know. And I was in a place where it was no hope, you know. But even though I was in a place that there was no hope to the physical eyes, that there was hope there, you know. And it's kind of like how the father was building hope in Abraham about his seed is going to be like this. Uh, that ministry angel was building hope, AD, hey, you're going to make it home. And I, and I followed that. I took that path, you know, produced hope in me and it produced hope in Abraham. And I'm hoping this will produce hope in you, you know, <clears throat> now. So we talked about vision. We talked about hope. Now let's focus on this faith. Faith, this is a very, 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 very uh, familiar topic, faith. Uh, Hope and faith, you know, they seem like interchangeable terms, but we know that they are not from Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. It says, faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Um, What does that mean? It, its meaning can be understood. Uh, I believe one of the rarest chemical mixtures in our solar systems, which happens to be one of the most abundant things on Earth, even though it's rare in the entire known universe. Guess what that is? Water. Water. When you look at the globe, you can see the jet, the the uh, difference between water and land. Uh, scientists say the water. It covers 70% of the earth. Um, actually, when I went on a cruise and I just looked around, you know, all I can see is water from either way in the Atlantic Ocean. And when I went to the Gulf of Mexico, the same thing. It is water, water, water. We live in a life, I mean, a planet full of water. And we know without uh, water that basically nothing could live. Um no, without without a microscope, we are unable to see the substance that forms water. Yet, something is holding water together. You know, because when you begin look at these uh, substances that uh, form water, actually, is H two O. If you're familiar with that uh, in a in a chemical chart, but that's how faith works in the background. Um, 
faith can also be uh, another thing you can do is compare it to a uh, the director of a blockbuster movie. So the the director is a person who sets the tone of the movie and interprets the script as he see it. And he typically sees the story as a whole and gives his own stamp. And he instructs the actors on how they would say their line, make their facial expressions, and adjust their tone. Um, and virtually anything that happens on the movie set is subject to the approval of the director. The final product is a direct result of decisions made by the director. And that is what faith helps give you, a complete picture of hope. The final product, faith, is all—excuse, also the evidence of the unseen. All right. Remember the story of the ten brides in Matthew chapter twenty-five, when Jesus is telling this story of the bridegroom coming for the ten brides. They were to prepare themselves by having oil in their lamps, and all the bridesmaids hoped the groom would come, but only half were propelled into faith by filling their lamps with oil. And many have a form of hope, you know, but how many of us will have hope that propels us to do something with it, that will propel us into faith? And this is one of the differences between hope and faith, you know. Also, only half the bridesmaids took action on their hope. They took action on what was not physically evident, you know. So your faith, you know, you have to kind of build your faith, you know. Um, How do you, people like faith, how do you get faith? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So faith is listening to this program, especially when I mention the Bible scriptures. Faith is building your faith is studying the word. Um, Another way someone actually once told me that, that faith is like asking the father for a parking place in a crowded area, you know. <laughs> um, so many, it was uh, many years ago when, man, I had to be, I'm not sure how, how old I was, but very, very young. Uh, and this right here kind of built my faith, and it's still kind of like when I look back, back at it, it's like builds, it's a faith builder, you know. But my mother and my siblings, we were leaving the doctor's office, and we had moved again to this area. Actually, we had just moved from um, Philadelphia to Kansas City, and uh, we was uh, not going the same way that we came there. And I asked, well, why are we walking down this block, you know? And she's like, well, I want to see these houses so we can find a place to stay. <laughs> you know, but as we was walking down this particular block, an unchained pet bull came out of nowhere, you know. And there's, you know, pet bulls, you know, they're were, known to be very aggressive dogs, you know. <laughs> and this dog, you know, he was just barking and screaming and yelling, and he was unchained, you know. And he was coming towards us, and particularly he was coming towards me because I was ahead of everyone. <laughs> I was kind of ahead for them. And I knew, I mean, I just know I'm not going to outrun this dog. And it's not that very far away. And my mother, she immediately cried the name of Jesus. 
And guess what happened to that barking dog? It stopped barking, you know. And actually, it sat on the sidewalk as if someone had told it to sit. And it, and the dog, you know, was, was kind of like looking at me, and I was looking at the dog. <laughs> the dog was frozen, I was frozen. The dog was probably confused. I was confused. And my mother and siblings, they had actually caught up with me and passed me. And my mother said, we got to keep on going. We got to keep on going. <laughs> so I finally, like, okay, I had I, I walked with them. So my mother, she had the faith that she could call on an unseen force to intervene in our daily lives. And our faith was in the name of Jesus. Um, and from Scripture, example from Scriptures of Mark, Matthew, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 8, verses 5 through 10, we see an example of vision, hope, and faith work. So the centurion... He must have envisioned his servant well, and this vision produced a hope in him that propelled him to faith. So we have, there we go, we see vision, hope, and faith. So he had the faith to ask Jesus for his servant's healing. And we all, again, have hope. We have, many of us will let that hope propel us into faith, you know. How many of us are like the woman with the issue of blood who envisioned herself being healed and touched by the hem of his garment. Her vision produced a hope that propelled her into faith to press through the multitudes. Her vision changed not only her body, but also how we perceive her. We know her not as a woman who was sick, but the woman who was healed. And this right here, we can learn something about or ask ourselves, what does Jesus look for? Having hope, I mean, having faith, hope, and vision, you know, will not only affect your vision of yourself, but it will affect those around you as well. And when I'm, I mean, it's easy to say all these things, nice and fancy, make it creative. But faith, you know, we have to do a faith. It's not easy to walk out. Um, it's often like going against the grain, you know, especially with the father. It's like, almost like going opposite of where the world, you know. Faith is rare in these days, at least true faith, I believe. And Jesus, you know, he's always looking for those who possess faith. And that's why he has those who touched him when a woman, she, he has who touched him when the woman reached out for this garment. And uh, remember what he told the centurion, he said, when Jesus heard this, he was amazed and turned to the crowd following. He said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith in Israel. That's Luke chapter 7, verse 9. He was looking for it. You know, Jesus is looking for us to have faith. Jesus searches for faith like a slave searches for freedom. Um, there are many things recorded in Scripture solely for our generation, um, meaning uh, that even though they were recording history about what was going on in the past, but many of the scriptures are kind of echoing and prophesying to us about things that we should do, particularly, I believe, during this generation. Uh, in Daniel chapter 12, verse 4, it says, But you, Daniel, roll up the seals and the words of the scroll until the time of the end, and many will go here and there to increase in knowledge. So Daniel 12, 4, I believe that's talking about, okay, Daniel, you roll up this or 
right here and save it for the very last time because the very last time it says many will go here and there to increase knowledge. And I believe that's talking about the time degree you're in now, the information age. And I believe Daniel, he was a messenger, you know, that uh, about this time. And, and this is all talking about I want to get back to uh, faith. Jesus posed a question towards the disciples. And I believe this question, it wasn't just only for the people who are there, like to the disciples, but just like this right here where it says, set up the scrolls for the time of the end, I believe this Luke chapter 18, verse 8, was not really talking about the disciples, but it's also a question that you need to ask yourself um, because it's actually talking about you. He, he says, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith? That's Luke chapter 18, verse 8. It says, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith? Remember what I was talking about earlier, that Jesus is always looking for what faith. He told the centurion, you know, I have not found such great faith. So he's looking for that. So what about when he comes again? Will he find faith in you? You know, we have all been presented with a choice. Will we be like the woman with the issue of blood? We'd be, we'd be like the wise bride, the bridesmaids, who vision, hope, and who vision and hope propelled them to faith, or are we going to be like the other five with the vision and hope, and they didn't do anything with it? You know, um, Romans chapter four verse seventeen. And I'm going to close with this scripture. Romans chapter four verse seventeen says, "As it is written." I have made you, talking about Abraham, the father of many nations. And he is our father in the sight of God, in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead and calls those things to be not as though they were. So this is talking about our father, you know, who brings dead things to life and cause those things to be not as though they were, you know. This right here, in order to see those things, we have to have faith, and that's something that uh, Jesus is always looking for. So that, And that's what this, this uh, chapter is about, about using vision and hope to help us uh, to, I want to say not to get faith, but to use faith, because faith is something that... Uh, well, we give faith, of course, by reading the word, but we have we had to do it, read and do it. It's like they kind of go hand in hand. So I hope you uh, you all were able to get something out of this. It uh, caused you, uh, just in summary, to record your dreams, your daydreams that the that the Lord, your Father, I believe, is giving you and trying to guide you, and to just not stop at that, but to have hope, not like the the worldly fleshy fleshly hope, but a god a godly hope, um, like the great Doctor Martin Luther King had, you know, because actually his hope we see, we see it. Though things are still not fair today, but we see a lot of the things that he hoped in. Actually, and not just him, but it was just the group of people who were involved and connected with him. Um, equal rights, you know, for um, for all races, you know. And so, some, so hope 
And then we have the vision and hope and all tied kind of like in faith, and that's with action, you know. So I hope you are able to, to take these truths and apply them, and this will help you uh, have a deeper, intimate relationship with your father and encourage you to uh, do great exploits for your father, to win the laws, to save them, to deliver them, to heal them. Actually, it's not you. It's the father working through you um, by the leading of the Holy Spirit. So I thank uh, everyone for listening tonight. Tonight, uh, Dorothy, are you there? Yes, I'm here. So that that was very good. I like the the fact that you, excuse me, <clears throat> rainy day. I I like the fact that you pointed out that these things require actions. They're just not emotions. We need, you know, they require action to actually bring them forward. And then when you take that action, it reinforces all three. That was good. That's what I heard. Amen. Yes. Yes. We need need to do uh, do action. can be uh, couch potato believers, you know. We have to put not just our mind into it, but our feet and arms or or whatever we have. Uh, the word says, "Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might." You know, so whatever whatever might you have in you, um, even if if you're bound in some way physically, you do whatever whatever you can possibly to stretch as far as you can to the Father. No matter if it's uh, broken relationships, uh, broken bodies, broken minds, broken finances, broken career, um, broken neighborhoods, broken community, broken government. Whatever you can do to uh, occupy this world, it says occupy until till he comes. He's coming back soon, so we have a lot of work to do to prepare the way for our Lord. Um, so I'll, I'll close in prayer. Uh, everyone for listening, I thank you, uh, Dorothy, for having me. And we will be back actually next week, and we'll be doing. We're just about finished with it. This one, but know when to wait. So you're going to have to wait for next week to do chapter eight, knowing to wait. <laughs> so that's that's pretty. <laughs> um, Father, we thank you for your kindness, your grace, and mercy. Father, I thank you for uh, causing all all the listeners, those who are listening now and later, Father Lord, and even myself and Dorothy, Father, to to walk in faithful, Father to uh, have vision, Father Lord, that they'll be willing to receive the visions you are giving us, oh, Father Lord, and to have the God kind of hope, Father Lord, that's according to your word, according to your scripture, Father. Um, let us be led by the Holy Spirit. Let us stay in your word. Not Let us not look to the left and right, but let's look to the, the author and finisher of our faith, our Lord and Savior Jesus. Um, thank you for healing everyone in their bodies. Father, Lord, we speak healing to the body, their bodies, minds, and souls, from the crown of their head to the sole of their feet, and everything connected with them, their friends, their family, their loved ones, their neighborhood, their their, their city council, their schools, oh, God, Lord, um, middle schools, high schools, elementaries, oh, Father, Lord, their governments, oh, God, Lord, within their, their cities, oh, Father, Lord. Um, bless them, Father. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Pardon me again. Well, thank you, Jameer. That was lovely. 
That was just lovely. (laughs) And I will see you. I'll talk to you all next week. Exactly. Father bless everyone. Good night, Jameer. Good night.